Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. I'm here with my two-time guest, Alex Mehikov, coming from quarantine in a 14-day quarantine, just entered the UK from Germany recently. Uh, he's the co-founder of cryptocurrency exchange Chinjelly. He's also the CEO of EOS DT, also known as Equilibrium, a collateral-backed stablecoin on EOS. How are you doing today, Alex? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you very much, uh, Zach, for having me on your podcast. Yeah, so you you mentioned my quarantine. I'm uh, already four, almost 11 days on quarantine after I arrived uh, at London from Frankfurt. Uh, so my my beard actually is getting longer. Uh, however, you know, overall COVID thing uh, was not a, a didn't affect our uh, daily operations within our team because uh, we have, as you probably know. Uh, the remote teams in different uh, distant locations in the world, some guys in the US, some the guys in the UK, some guys in China. So um, overall, it's working like, <laughs> like, like, like it's working regularly. That that's, seems to be the case with a lot of the crypto blockchain teams. A lot of them already were working remote. Like I'm reading all of this news about Zoom, how there's all these people that are just discovering Zoom. And I'm just like, man, I've been using this for years now, it's nothing new. And I learned that my lifestyle, the way I live my life is actually called social distancing. Who would have known? I've been doing it. I've been working from home for a while now. And yeah, yeah, exactly. it's just a little more, more strict. So uh, we talked for a little bit before we started recording. You said it, for your quarantine, you're literally like locked indoors. You can't even go for a walk outside. No, I cannot, I cannot. But, but you know, I think that uh, this, um, um, uh, this coronavirus thing overall will change uh, the behavior of regular people because you know uh, those of them who actually discovered the opportunity to work at home probably will not get back to their offices anymore because mm -hmm. uh, you know it's uh, like you and me are always doing that so we got used to that to, to doing mm -hmm. things at, at home uh, not 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 attending office whatever uh, but for, for regular people, it's something, something you new experience, right? I, I think it's well, part of what it's doing is it's accelerating some trends that were already happening. Like remote work isn't anything new, but I think it, it's accelerating the pace, remote learning. People are like in my state, in my country, pretty much all the high schools are all remote now. So they're all learning how to do this distance learning. And then there's a lot of companies that just were all like office based and they're learning that they're not actually depending on the type of company, obviously, but they're learning that they're not losing as much productivity as they may have thought by being remote. So maybe when things go back to normal, they'll have maybe like a more flexible environment. Maybe they'll be able to work from home one or two days a week. We'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it's also accelerating other trends like killing retail. I, I don't, I don't think that <laughs> the big retailers are going to be able to come back. Uh, like the, I guess the non big box stores like right now, like Walmart and Target and things like that are still open, but all they just apply some changes to their business models, focusing more on delivery side, mm -hmm. uh, on some remote things. Yeah. Cause I, uh, for, for, for example, I, I, I know that uh, fitness industry is changing tremendously because a lot of people actually buying, buying equipment for their, for their houses. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not sure that it will get back to, uh, to fitness centers anymore. Yeah, they're they're actually paying for subscription apps. So like you're getting a, like a, a workout in, but it's like live with your trainer on on the screen, and you're just working out. And they could they probably have a monitor in front of them, seeing like twenty different students on bikes, and they're motivating them. So it it, it's some, it, it would have been looked at as crazy a couple months ago, but this is the new normal. You're right. People can't go to the gym. The gyms are all closed. All the gym bros. Exactly, exactly. I, I have attended, by the way, several yoga classes remotely. It's quite weird experience, it? I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like you're keeping up on your haircuts, though. That's good. I, 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 I got one like right before they started. They all closed down. So I, I think I got another week or two in me that I'm gonna have to have my wife cut my hair, I guess. I, I don't know what <laughs> all, all the women are gonna do. You're gonna start seeing women like when we come out of hibernation here, we're gonna see everyone's true hair colors, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, good for you that your wife actually can do that. 
because uh, I, I cannot even cut my beard. So I'm <laughs> the beard yeah. is getting, getting I, longer and longer. <laughs> I, I have hair clip. I'll probably just go with the same length on the entire thing to make it easy. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, lo- lots of crazy stuff happening. I think everyone knows what's going on with the money printing and the, the traditional finance system. But we're here to talk about DeFi today, which is a very hot topic. It's, it's pretty much the hot trend in crypto over the last year or two uh collateral backed stable coins i think the most popular one the most well-known one is MakerDAO. Uh, a lot of people have heard of that from the ethereum community um and you actually uh have published an article kind of comparing the services that, uh, we'll get into what happened with that it was it march 12th and 13th when the market crashed you kind of will get into uh how MakerDAO reacted to the market crash and how ES, uh, DT did. But why don't we kick this off in case people really haven't heard of you or EOSDT or Equilibrium. Why don't you introduce like what Equilibrium is at a high level? Yeah, in, in the broad strokes, uh, uh, e- Equilibrium uh, is the framework for building DeFi applications and um, synthetic assets. And EOSDT is the first uh, proof of concept of the technology. Uh, it's uh, the first decentralized stablecoin on EOS, which is uh, backed by uh, EOS cryptocurrency, essentially. And um, uh, every single EOSDT is getting into circulation through uh, over-culturalization um, with, uh, with EOS collateral. So basically, users are generating these uh, EOSDT stablecoins uh, through depositing their EOS holdings into our smart contracts. So that, that actually is bringing uh, quite a lot of advantages. So firstly, it's a transparent stablecoin. Uh, and at any time, you can be sure that there will be the certain amount of collateral which is backing the, this, uh, this stablecoin. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, it's um, um, risk-free custody because everything is on smart contracts. And uh, definitely, uh, the, the most differences are coming from the technical side of things uh, and uh, differences between, um, between technical platforms underlying MakerDAO and uh, Equilibrium CSDT. So as, as I highlighted in, in, my, uh, in, my, in my article, uh, obviously the robust price feeds make a lot of sense. Um, and uh, definitely the overall um, uh, overall uh, blockchain capacity uh, uh, of EOS is way higher than the capacity of Ethereum network, specifically with respect to the amount of transaction that can be held by, uh, by, by the blockchain network there. Um, so um, we have launched, just, just getting back to the uh, introduction of EOSDT. So we have launched uh, EOSDT in, into production in, uh, back in April last year. Since that time, we got some traction. Uh, currently, we have more than um, around $10 million worth EOS uh, sitting in our smart contract, which makes us one of the biggest dApps in terms of balance on the EOS blockchain. Um, around um, $3 million uh, USDT generated by our users. Uh, we have launched uh, the industry's first uh, stability fund, which is uh, actually guaranteeing that users would get their funds back even, even in the case of some black swan events or whatever extra- extraordinary thing happening on the market like the recent uh, market, market crash. So uh, we, we got listed on several prominent exchanges uh, with uh, quite, uh, quite um, um, you know, proper uh, liquidity depth yeah, pro- props to you guys for that, because that's one of the biggest issues w- with stable coins. I mean, I, I, I work with the VigorDAC project and follow that project, and it's not quite there yet in production. It's on the test net, but once it goes into production, finding that liquidity on the exchanges is, it's going to be everything. You have to, like, when you generate a stable coin against your collateral, it, I have EOSDT now. I have to be able to spend that EOSDT on something or else I'm just holding some token yeah exactly exactly but i think that uh, even the bigger problem is getting back your usdt or whatever stable coin you have generated it to be sure that at some point you can be able to buy it out from the secondary market at the price of one dollar and pay back your loan Mm. on on the smart contract 
because uh, you know here's the risk you're you, you're locking some liquid assets on smart contracts anticipating that at some point you will repay this loan and get back your collateral right mm-hmm. so that, that that's the bigger use case so if if it comes to yeah so maybe we we should we should go for for explaining the use cases for this uh type of stable points right yeah yeah so also i, I think uh i i think most people are going to understand what this is because this is not a new concept anymore but you're essentially able to borrow stable coins, and in this case, EOSDT, against your crypto assets, which in this case is EOS. So, so like, let's say I, I have $100 of EOS. I could lock that into the staking contract, and I could borrow... Uh, 60, 60 EOSDT. I think it's better to say that you have, like, 200 bucks of, of EOS, and you're efficiently borrowing, like... Uh, one hundred dollars okay. worth two hundred percent, and that would be two hundred percent collateral, which gives you some wiggle room, because once your collateral drops to one hundred thirty percent, that's when you get liquidated, and we'll get into all of that fun stuff uh, in a bit. Uh, EOS Writer just put out a blog article yesterday. You guys on April first, you guys have some interesting stuff coming up with with the fee modeling, and uh, the proxy. Um, I, I'm a big fan of passive income, and that's a big reason I wanted to bring you on here. I also want to talk about the liquid oracles. We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, but passive income, there's so many ways to earn earn income through not just EOS and other crypto assets like Tezos and things like that, but in this case with EOS and Equilibrium, um, not only could you borrow against your EOS, but you could actually earn income from the EOS that you're borrowing against through the uh, the proxy. You want to kind of get into how that works? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think that uh, staking is the overall trend on the markets. And you, as you reasonably um, mentioned, uh, def- in, you can do that in, in, in multiple ecosystem, including Tazus, EOS, and other other blockchain uh, platforms, where actually you can you can take the advantage of uh, DPoS or POS systems. So we, we are actually leveraging these opportunities for quite a long time. And now we have updated our system uh, so that our users who are actually are putting their use into our smart contracts are getting this passive income on that use they just they just simply deposited on the smart contracts and not necessarily generated the USDT by the way, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the, w- where actually this income comes from? So basically we have found the way how we could um, actually stake the whole EOS collateral for block producers and do that in a riskless way, right? Because we can, uh, you know, quite immediately or instantly get pull, pull it back and get back to our users, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, the, uh, these block producers for whom we're staking this, uh, this collateral is select, uh, the, the, the list of these uh, block producers is uh, actually selected by our um, so-called not, not, not token holders, mm-hmm. right? So they're voting for block producers, picking the list of 30 of them who are actually getting this, uh, this collateral from our system. And these block producers are paying rewards for that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we have updated the system that uh, the block producers currently are paying um, 95% of uh, their uh, daily reward they get thanks to our proxy. And uh, this, this actually means that the uh, the reward which is uh, which is paid to use collateral holders will reflect the uh, proxy size fluctuations, right? Uh, and uh, th- this actually means that if you are staking just simply staking EOS into USDT system, you will get uh, some expected and constant uh, APR on the EOS you staked. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, currently, the numbers that we are anticipating is around 2.3% coming from, uh, from block producers. Uh, and this funny thing, because at, at the same time, you're, you're getting some, other, some, some portion yeah. of other, other revenue streams, right? So you're not ta- getting just, just block producers' rewards. Uh, yeah, this, so you, this you is wrote- the interesting part. So I, I wasn't aware of this. Like, I'm more excited about it after, after talking to you before we started recording. So typically, whenever you stake to a, a reward proxy, which is the new norm anymore, like it's not really looked down upon, block producers are paying for their votes. They're paying out rewards to these proxies. So I, if I stake to like EOS Nation or Colin Talks Crypto Reward Proxy, I'm earning those, those vote reward payments. 
and that's great. It, it's like a two percent, or sometimes a little bit below two percent, but it's capped. You're, you're capped to what the block producers are willing to pay. But with the equilibrium proxy now, you actually get the extra fee model whenever there's liquidations. Whenever your collateral position, whenever your collateral position goes below the threshold, which in the case of equilibrium is 130 percent. So which, if, is, which is which is which is lower than uh, 150% of MakerDAO, by the way. It is. Um, if it goes below that, then basically my position has to get unwound. So I have EOS in the contract that's basically backing the stable coins that I generated from it. It has to sell that EOS, and there's also a fee involved with selling that EOS. What's the liquidation fee charged to uh, a, a staker right now? Uh, so, so basically, it's thirteen uh, percent of uh, the value of loan. So, if I got liquidated a hundred EOS, all of them got sold. Thirteen of them would go towards a a pool. No, and... no, 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 no. It's a, a little bit different. So, okay. So, imagine that you have you have one hundred percent of uh, USDT, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, your collateral value is dropping below one hundred thirty percent. So, you basically have one hundred thirty percent. Uh, of uh, collateral. Let's say it's $130 just to, mm -hmm. to, to make it simple. It easy. So, yeah, so, so, so um, basically you have $130 of collateral. Uh, you, you are getting back your access collateral, which is $17, $17 and $130 uh, are going to the liquidation system. So on liquidation system, uh, $103 uh, dollars are sold for $100 worth USDT to um, uh, some uh, market players who are actually uh, actually uh, performing this liquidation thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get 10, 10 access percent, right? Mm -hmm. And this uh, $10. So basically these $10 are divided into two parts. One part is $9, which is going back to the collateral pool and efficiently, this is where, where this uh, kind of additional income uh, coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And one, one dollar is sold for nuts, for nut tokens, and distributed to those guys who are actually deposited nut tokens to the governance contract to select block producers, for example. Mm -hmm. So I think the simple version of this is that <laughs> when positions get liquidated, people who are staked into the the stake the eo staking contract are earning fees there so whenever someone gets liquidated there there's a fee they're charged those fees get distributed between nut token holders and people staking their eos and when you're staking your eos you're already earning the block rewards from the block producers that they're paying into it you're already earning uh rex uh whatever percent that is right now but then additionally you're going to get uh what, I don't have the percentage in front of me. We talked about it earlier. Uh, is it 10%, 9%? Uh, no, no. I think it's something around six, uh, six point something. No, uh, uh, you mean, I mean, it's all out of the, like, out of the 13% liquidation fee, 9% goes towards the EOS stakers. So what that does is it raises the APR. So in the EOS Raider article that I read yesterday, it called out, I think a 2.3% APR. That's just kind of like the floor. On the homepage of EOSDT, it's actually showing a 30-day average of 6.35%. And that's because, as we all know, on March 12th, everyone got wrecked. There was probably massive liquidations. Everyone holding a position that wasn't grossly over collateralized probably got hit. But this, what this does is it incentivizes you to over collateralize your position so you don't get liquidated because you could benefit from all of the less sophisticated, less smart people who are under collateralizing their positions and getting liquidated. So I, I right. think that's, that's awesome. So let's get back to the differences here. You want to kind of walk through uh, what happened on MakerDAO on March 12th and what caused everyone to get wrecked because of the Oracle lockup? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's an interesting part because uh, you know, uh, the, um, Initially, MakerDAO or uh, whatever uh, whatever analysts who actually were explaining this uh, this issue, what happens uh, on March uh, 12th to 13th, 
uh, they tried to explain it from uh, from some economy perspective, saying that, hey, there is the economy problem, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But eventually, uh, it turned out that the problem was in overall architecture. So the guys who were actually were developing MakerDAO and its technical side, on its technical side, they um, they didn't take into account uh, the potential clog of the underlying blockchain platform. And uh, when this clog happened, when uh, eventually, when all the all the Ethereum network got stuck, and uh, literally nobody could <laughs> could normally transact on that, uh, including Oracle system of MakerDAO, who actually could not uh, break through this uh, kind of uh, <laughs> kind of frozen network and push the transaction with uh, with the actual price fit, uh, the the prices of uh, of MakerDAO. Uh, uh, were deviating from uh, from from the the actual price of Ethereum quite 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 a lot. So th there was the problem. The 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 price of of kind of the rate, rates of Ethereum on on MakerDAO smart contracts were way uh, way uh, above the the actual price of Ethereum on the market, mm -hmm. and nobody wanted to liquidate. Uh, the uh, liquidated positions, right? Because uh, you, you eventually would suppose to pay uh, kind of premium to the market, which makes no sense. Because if you're liquidating, you want to get the asset at the discount, right? Mm -hmm. But the, instead of discount, you you had to 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 pay some premium, which makes uh, makes uh, no sense, as I said. So uh, so uh, in this in these circumstances, uh, all these uh, kind of keepers who supposed to uh, to do the liquidations, they just gave up. But some of them just they, they tried to push the transaction on chain with uh, almost zero bits in the auction of MakerDAO. And, so, and surprisingly, the, this transaction passed through. So basically, the system MakerDAO, they, they, they had no minimum threshold for bidding on in the auctions. And you, you technically, technically, they were not bidding zero, they were bidding uh, just one uh basis points of the token of of die which is uh, actually uh 10 uh to to the degree of minus uh eight, 18 or something mm -hmm. so basically so technically it's not zero it's above zero but you know in the real world uh nobody can win the auction bidding uh one uh, uh, 10 uh, to the degree of minus uh, 18 mm -hmm. and the auction, the auction uh, in the amount of $6,000, right? So that's, that, that makes no sense. Um, yeah, so that, that, this was happened. And eventually this uh, kind of uh, adventurous keepers, uh, they extracted over $6, $6 million worth Ethereum from the contracts of MakerDAO, which is, which is outrageous amount insane. of uh, Insane, insane. Yeah. Um, so what happened from what I understand was that the gas fees were just so insane that it was roughly $30 to make an Oracle call or a transaction at that point. So MakerDAO has 14 like anonymous Oracles. I, I think some of them are known like Maker, they, they do their own Oracle too. On their list of Oracles is MakerDAO themselves, which means that their own price Oracle was too cheap or too broken, I guess, to even update its own price feeds on its own. Like that's crazy. And that, uh, I, I don't want to get into that. And then the people that I, were I, buying the, the liquidated positions, they were paying like $200 in gas to make sure that their, their, their buy orders would go through. And it was kind of a gamble, yeah, it, it, but it was a gamble that paid exactly, off significantly. Exactly. But the thing is that when, when you initially supposed to, uh, to make this bid, you, you actually, uh, if you're, even paying two hundred dollars for transactions, two hundred bucks for gas, you you are not guaranteed that you will win this auction because somebody mm -hmm. else could also bid like to two hundred two hundred fifty bucks, for example, or something. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, the, the, that's a thing. I, I remember at some point somebody from the community uh, was raising this uh, kind of problem of MakerDAO's oracles. Uh, I guess a year ago or something, asking somebody from the MakerDAO's team. Uh, uh, who actually this Oracle or whatever price feeds were. And mm -hmm. they told, uh, they, they responded that we can, we like something like we, we can, cannot uh, disclose the identity of these people due to security reasons. <laughs> no, it makes no sense. You want that to be transparent. Like who, who are exactly. these mystery Oracles? And <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if we knew, like they're most likely people that are 
reputable at least. So I, I, I think the whole unknown thing doesn't really make sense to me. So let's get into your oracles because you have a very robust oracle system. It's going to get even more robust here uh, shortly. So use three oracle sources, Provable, uh, Delphi, and soon the Liquid Oracle system. And you're also going to be running your DSP. So how, how do you aggregate your price feeds amongst like different Oracle types and how many different feeds are, are you using? So MakerDAO is using 14 mm. unknown feeds. How, how right. many feeds are, are, are you using currently? Uh, so, so look, fir firstly, we, when we approached the, um, the problem of Oracleized uh, prices on the smart contract, we decided to go uh, to take the approach of um, um, public and uh, known and reputable Oracle systems. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 first, the first Oracle system that we have integrated uh, was uh, uh, the system of Provable. Uh, I know these guys for quite a long time. They're, they're, they're providing Oracle services since, uh, I believe, 2016 for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And they actually are... Uh, reputable guys, uh, quite well known in the Ethereum community, and uh, uh, recently they also rolled out their solution on EOS blockchain as well. And uh, we we actually EOSDT was the first uh, the first um, uh, application which utilized their price feeds. Uh, um, yeah. So then we decided to diversify this uh, uh, Oracle systems by integr we integration of Delphi Oracle. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it happened, uh, I, I believe in August last year, something like that. Uh, and now we are, we are, we are preparing for launching the third price feed through Liquid Oracle. So expectedly it will be launched within coming weeks. And um, yeah, I mean, we are, we are actually fetching the aggregated prices for crypto, crypto compare for now. Uh, mm -hmm. And we are building the median price uh, among all the Oracle systems, all the prices we get from, from, from different sources. And um, if eventually, um, I expect we'll be, we'll be building the system where we'll be fetching uh, prices from multiple exchanges, building the median on, on our end. However, mm -hmm. I think the current, the current setup is uh, uh, enough robust uh, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, the that um, aggregated price uh, from Cryptic Compare uh, reflects the the current situation for sure on the market. Mm. And the, and the Crypto Compare API is an aggregate of multiple exchanges. So even though you're pulling it from Crypto Compare on Crypto Compare's end, they're pulling it from many different exchanges on the like the EOS price essentially. Exactly. EOS, yeah. USD I, I, price. Yeah. I th I, th I think I think they're 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 pulling the prices from. Uh, over 50 exchanges or something like that. And as far as robustness, so all of your Oracle systems, like it would almost be impossible for them to all go down at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so through, through Provable, we're fetching prices from, uh, from Crypto Compare. Mm -hmm. We're expecting to fetch um, uh, Crypto Compare aggregated price also through uh, Liquid Oracle as well. Uh, uh, Delphi Oracle works a little bit different way because uh, there are several block producers actually pushing their prices on chain. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the source of this price, by the way. However, if uh, the the price is irrelevant, it mm -hmm. would be mitigated through this kind of uh, uh, medianization on our smart contract. And, yeah, and I, th I think uh, Delphi, I'm pretty sure, uses uh, a I think it uses Nudex for the prices. I'm, I'm not 100%. I don't want to be quoted on that. Uh, and then the, the liquid oracles, uh, you have already spun up your own DSP. It's already available for other people to stake for services if they want to, but you'll be using your own Oracle or using Eosphere, I think is one of the other ones. Yeah, we, we are using uh, Eosphere as the first DSP. The second DSP would be our own. And uh, we also were talking to Eos Nation. Robust oracles are one of the most important aspects to a DeFi project. We saw what happened with MakerDAO when oracles don't work the way they should. The other important thing is how the liquidations are conducted and whether or not the, the DeFi protocol has an insurance pool. Earlier, you mentioned uh, the insurance pool, which I think is roughly $10 million. Um, so what happened with MakerDAO with those liquidations, we talked about how people were getting liquidated. Typically when you get liquidated, you, you lose a lot of money, but you still have some of your collateral left over. If I get liquidated on equilibrium, 
I still have a small percent of my original EOS. It's a consolation prize. You're upset you got liquidated, but you have something. What happened on MakerDAO was there were people that lost thousands and thousands of dollars, millions in collectively, but individuals, many people lost everything. So that's something that would be impossible on equilibrium. Um, and the reason is that one, your Oracle system, I think is so robust that there's always going to be someone feeding a price. You don't have to worry about um, transaction fees skyrocketing because you have millions of EOS staked and it, that you're probably well uh, positioned for any type of congestion. You always have a 30 day advance on Rex rentals. So you're never going to run out of computation because you're prepared for this. And then the transaction fees aren't going to go up. And uh, we didn't mention this, but the, the MakerDAO oracles, another thing that kind of sucks about them is they only update every hour. How, how is that even safe to, to run a, a, like a system like this when your oracles are running every hour? How, how frequently are your oracles updating? Um, so currently we're, we're guaranteeing that the price are as fresh as one minute update. So every, every, every minute we're updating the prices on smart contracts. Uh, compared to, to one hour of MakerDAO, it's a huge difference, I guess. Specifically in the circumstances of uh, the uh, market crash like we experienced uh, uh, weeks ago. So the, 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 that's definitely uh, something that differentiates uh, the approach of, um, of Equilibrium and MakerDAO. And you know, the, the thing is that you cannot, um, you cannot afford uh, so agile price feeds on Ethereum. So that's mm -hmm. basically the, the issue with Ethereum specifically, because every time when you're updating the price, you should, you should pay gas. Uh, simultaneously, you're not paying gas on, on EOS, right? Because uh, there, there is no gas, transactions are mm -hmm. almost free. And uh, definitely that's, um, um, that actually opens new possibilities for building DeFi applications on top of that. Because uh, uh, you you can rely on your price feeds, you can uh, always be sure that the prices are actual up up to date. Um, so and, and that, that that's something different. And definitely, like you you mentioned that um, uh, that uh, we have this stability fund or, or if you wish uh, insurance policy. So th that's that's a kind of different approach. So if you if you remember what what MakerDAO did to cover all these losses, uh, uh, they they had uh, through this market turmoil, to turmoil. So they just simply issued bonds efficiently, right? So it's something Sounds that familiar. Fed's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like like Fed is doing, doing every time something happened to the markets. Uh -huh. So, uh, but but we we actually it it, it it we we took the different approach. So we we took the responsibility for what what we are doing, and we established this insurance. Uh, insurance funds, which uh, actually ensures that every user will get their funds back, if, even in the case of some extraordinary market events that would lead to uh, the uh, overall collateralization of the system dropping below 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So the system will be heavily under culturalized. So mm -hmm. in this case, if we will be winding down our system, uh, so every single user will get back their funds. Uh, according to uh, kind of 100% uh, of, uh, of uh, the value of their, their stable coins. So it's like the collateral of last resort, basically. But the, exactly. the way the system set up is it should never be tapped into. So it's pretty low risk on your end, it, but, but the funds are there. It's completely transparent. You could see it, you know that it exists. So it, it should give comfort and safety, know, knowing that you're never going to wake up one day and see that all of your collateral is completely wiped out as happened on MakerDAO the other week. So I want to get into um, some of the cool stuff that you have coming up. And one of them you talked about before we started recording was a multi-collateral system. What, what are you able to say about that? And is there any timeframes we could look forward to? And what's that going to look like? Uh, yeah, so, so so we have rolled out a very, very important update for the system um, months ago. Um, it, it probably uh, actually passed a little bit unnoticed in the community, but for us, it uh, actually has a, a huge impact because uh, we have technically prepared for getting 
for embracing more collateral types within the system. So basically, we can uh, we can um, launch any any collateral type within just one day or something. So uh, what actually it means? So the the system is currently uh, is uh, comprised of uh, separate segments, and every of these segments will be responsible for the specific type of the collateral. And so these segments will be um, technically independent. So it means that if some collateral type would, for example, fail for some reason, like I don't know, some maybe due to some price drop or whatever, mm -hmm. and we will be forced to win down this specific segment of the system. And actually, this will not affect the overall big picture. So basically, we just switch off one segment, and other segments will continue functioning, and the system will be up and running. So that's the fundamental, uh, fundamental difference to some other multi-collateral uh, systems, even to the systems which are uh, uh, presuming uh, building kind of, you know, uh, baskets of collateral, right? Mm -hmm. So if the basket fail, the system would fail. In our case, if some, some, some collateral type will fail, the overall system will not fail. So uh, the... Um, uh, also, also, like on top of that, we can definitely build uh, more sophisticated uh, models. So we can build even some segments with the basket of collaterals. Uh, however, it's uh, it's uh, it's quite a long story. <laughs> um, are, are, so, if I had to guess, like collateral types, like we probably expect Bitcoin, Ethereum, big caps at first, and then probably stick with those for a while, test the system, and then add more if there's demand for it, but. Uh, yeah, exa exa exactly. So, so, so ju just uh, for you to have the understanding of our main focus for this year uh, in terms of the project development. So the, this year for us, is the goal is to build the true cross-chain interoperable system, which will embrace uh, the, uh, the, biggest, uh, the biggest assets in terms of market cap, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, whatever other, other assets, maybe Tron, uh, we're also looking at uh, uh, Telegram Open Network if they make it to the markets eventually. So the, 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 that's the kind of uh, things that we are focused on right now. So the, the first uh, the first asset, or if, if you wish, the first um, uh, additional collateral type that we will add to our system will be uh, the solution by our partners, by Provable. Uh, they're launching P-Tokens project quite soon. And uh, in terms of in terms of this project, they will be delivering the uh, the system which will allow to lock your bitcoins and to to issue the wrapped tokens uh, against these bitcoins on EOS. And uh, these tokens uh, actually will be accepted uh, as a collateral in uh, for for USDT. Um, however, you know I, I know that. Quite a, quite a lot of people uh, are quite skeptical about this type of solutions, about this wrap tokens, whatever. And um, uh, I, I actually, um, in some point, it's, it's, in some parts, I actually agree uh, with them in terms, in terms of their kind of skepticism around that, because um, definitely the, the adoption of these assets very much depends on first liquidity, and secondly, how robust uh, the federation or uh, if you wish, the partners who are stand, uh, staying be behind this, this kind of project. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, P-Tokens, I would say that they have quite prominent um, federation, which is backing uh, their, specific, their solution specifically. Um, I'm aware that uh, Bitfinex actually joined their federation. They will be supporting them. And I, I know that several other uh, major exchanges will be also supporting their tokens. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of that, uh, in this sense, uh, this, um, uh, this project uh, will, will, uh, will succeed compared to others. Mm -hmm. Because you have to have liquid markets because just because you have a pegged Bitcoin doesn't mean anyone wants to buy that pegged Bitcoin off of you. So I guess you'd have to unwrap it and then sell it as a regular Bitcoin to get liquidity. But you're saying that the P tokens themselves, you're pretty confident that they'll have liquidity because of partners like Bitfinex and other exchanges potentially that there will always be a market for it. So therefore you can collateralize and it, it and generate ESDT. Exactly. And you should be, you should be, you should be, you should be, um, 
confident that at, at every time you can uh, swap back your your wrapped bitcoins to the actual bitcoins on non non Bitcoin blockchain. Mm -hmm. And that'll look kind of just like an exchange, basically. If you want to generate a pegged Bitcoin or pegged Ethereum, you'd send your real Ethereum to a specific address, probably giving it your EOS wallet name, and it just kind of got, does the cross-chain swap. I think that's something I, I, I've heard of other systems doing it, uh, but I've never it, seen it, any it, of them gain traction is the thing. It, Exactly, but the thing is, what you're explaining is uh, sounds quite difficult from uh, end users' perspective, right? Some mm -hmm. cross-chain magic, whatever, <laughs> red tokens, and how do you make it easy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So our goal is to provide users with a seamless user experience. So they basically will be doing everything in one interface. Uh, I mean, both sending bitcoins and uh, generating stable coins, and they basically. We will require just two, two transactions on Bitcoin blockchain and on EOS blockchain just to redeem your stable coins. And that actually makes things way, way more simple than, mm -hmm. than on uh, any other systems of this kind. And they'll be able to do that all from the same front end. So they'll be on the same website, right, on the ESDT site, but it'll use the provable back end or the P token back end like framework to generate everything. But they'll be doing it from just one front end, exactly. everything's done on the same interface. Right, right. So it's basically will be, will be um, integrated into the current user flow on the USDT interface. And uh, by far, it would not require you to go to some uh, site services to do something on the back end, uh, for sure not. You just, you, just, you just get everything in one place. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's really important. It, it's, the user experience is, I mean, in blockchain, it's been kind of the curse of it. it's been that everything's too difficult and we're trying to bring those walls down trying to make things less friction uh another thing I, I read about you guys is the that you're able to pay fees now just using the eosdt because i i had a position a while ago on equilibrium and i had to i, I typically don't hold nut token but I, ha I did have eosdt and when i went to close my position i had to pay a fee with nut token so i had to go to nudex and buy a little bit of nut token and then send it to, to eosdt.com so now, is this implemented today? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have uh, we have switched our fees uh, uh, before that paid in nuts into the to, to the fees paid in USDT. So basically, users will be not. Uh, I mean, end users will be not forced to have nut tokens in their portfolio. So mm -hmm. overall, it will be simplifying their user user experience because they will be simply generating USDT on on this on the smart contract and then paying the same USDT plus some accrued fees also in USDT in order to get their collateral back. Uh, however, it by all means it it it, it doesn't uh, reduce the utility of not tokens because mm -hmm. uh, we we actually just uh, shifted uh, the the flow of not tokens from the user the the end users flow to the users flow of more sophisticated professional market participants who are actually doing the liquidation things mm -hmm. so the the approach we're currently taking is the approach of sim simplification of everything for end users so basically it means that we're not just switching fees to usdt but we're also launching quite soon the new web interface for the overall application it would look like like the very nice bank application that you have from your regular bank, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be quite quite nice. We will be launching that in April. I can't wait to see that. So it sounds like uh, since the last time you were on here, which sometime in the summer, it was off, like you went from Tulip. I think it was B1 June. Then you went to Tulip in California. And then you're on your way to New York, I think. And you, you, you made a pit stop in Pittsburgh. And we recorded a podcast in person with you. And your general counsel, Josh Goodbody, and you guys have a—you're uh, very knowledgeable on the global regulations, very, very meticulous with with how you guys are operating. What, what's what's the latest with that? Because I know, um, like, a legal opinion came out—I I don't know—a couple months ago, and I know with like no, vigor, we're talking about like not even using the term stablecoin anymore, like calling it a low volatility token something like that so what, what's the situation with stable coins right now with with as, as far as regulation look it, it very much depends on the model of stable coins so basically uh in um most uh, uh 
proper jurisdiction, like in the UK, for example, the stable coins that are backed by physical cash in, in banks are actually uh, considered as e-money. So basically, if you, if you want to transact or build a service, some service uh, on top of that, you should obtain the FCA license in, in the UK, for example. I guess uh, this situation is quite uh, similar in some other jurisdictions as well. Uh, however, if it comes to decentralized stablecoin, which are backed by cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. their legal status is uh, currently, um, I would say it's not unclear, but it's uh, a little bit under radar of, uh, reg re of uh, regulators. And mm -hmm. um, however, like we in Equilibrium, uh, we got uh, uh, the legal opinion on both assets we have on our framework on USDT and NOT. Uh, this legal opinion uh, actually is considering both um, as utilities, no way securities. Um, so another important thing that we worth mentioning here that uh, decentralized stablecoins are uh, efficiently the loans against the collateral users uh, deposited on smart contracts. And in this in this sense, uh, this this particular operation, I mean, culturalizing your, your volatile assets on smart contract is not triggering the taxation events, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you actually can get the stable coins without doing some kind of um, exchange operations and get some cash against your, your crypto holdings, right? And then you, you would not, you would not pay, pay taxes, um, um, I guess, anywhere. Neither in the U.S. Uh, uh, or nor in in the U.K. or somewhere somewhere else. So let's just give a quick example so people can understand that. So let's say I want to buy something and I want to I'm going to have to sell some crypto or generate money against my crypto somehow to buy. I don't know. I don't want to say. Uh, I want to buy. What the hell do I want to buy? Um, what, who could be funny? Masks, masks, or yeah, I, I, I want to buy a rest. I want to buy some of those really expensive, hard to find <laughs> that I shouldn't even be buying because medical professionals need them. N95 masks, and they're really expensive, <laughs> but I, I need the money. If I sold my cryptocurrency for for USD or let USD coin, so I could sell it on coin, so I could take it to Coinbase and withdraw it to my bank account, I have to um, report a taxable event for that. Uh, whether it's a gain or a loss, when I sell my EOS or sell my Bitcoin or my Ethereum to, to USD coin from Coinbase, that's a taxable event. I got to report that on my taxes. But mm -hmm. if I generate my stable coins on a, on a platform like Equilibrium, I could generate like $500 off of a couple thousand. It has to be at least a thousand dollars or I'm so bad at this math. I'm, I'm over collateralizing <laughs> my position. If I want to generate $500 against the thousand dollars of EOS, that'd be good collateral position. I would not be paying taxes on that. That is not a taxable event because I'm just basically, it's almost like a credit system. You're, uh, it's kind of like your house. I think a good comparison is your mortgage on your house. If you have a certain percentage of your house paid off, you could actually take out a loan against your house. Essentially what, what these collateral backed stable coins do is you're taking a loan against your crypto but it's not a taxable event. It becomes a taxable event whenever you need to, I guess, buy more. If you spend those EOSDT and then you eventually want to close your position, you either got to sell EOS or, or, or do something to buy those EOSDT to put back into the contract. So that would be a taxable event, but you could time that up strategically. Maybe you don't want to create that taxable event until next tax season, especially if it's at like the end of the year. So I think that's very advantageous. And I think it's a, you might know better than me, but I think that's a pretty big whale trick. The people that have like millions of dollars of crypto, I think that's how they're able to buy nice things and spend their money without creating these giant taxable events. Totally agree. And actually they're keeping up with their upside, with the upside potential of their volatile assets, right? So they are not forced to uh, sell them off to, uh, to some stable coin and then regret when this crypto will go up in terms of its price. So that's, uh, that's only the good option. The last thing I actually wanted to highlight on our side is actually the multi-sig with block producers because we are eventually going to uh, to make these things happen and uh, as soon as we get uh, the the audit reports of smart contracts. So it's coming, it's, it's coming along quite soon. So that's just going to add more security. Um, how, how's your, so right now your smart contract, is it just like a multi-sig of 
your own team essentially it's not Exa- exactly exactly yeah it's not so a single key but yeah yeah exactly so it's 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 uh, all the all the keys so the all the private keys are actually belonging to the team uh it's by far all, all the keys are uh safely stored on on cold storages uh, so by all means it's uh, it's uh, kind of safe and robust here but we 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 want to take a step towards uh, uh, more decentralization of the system uh, so you probably know that uh, last year we have uh, done the arrangements with um, um, uh, 11 block producers uh, who actually agreed to be on our multi-sig for, uh, for USDT. Um, at this point, we actually are waiting for uh, the um, eventual audit report for the, our smart contracts. And as soon as it would be, would be published, uh, we will transfer uh, first smart contracts of the system to this multisig. They would be the smart contracts for our tokens. So e- e- initially, they will, they will be the group of um, three block producers just to kick off to figure out how things working, how we are coordinating all the further developments and deployments of uh, smart contracts to the to the network, and then we will. Uh, we will uh, get all the block producers on this uh, on this multisig. So we expect expectedly we will um, uh, we will roll this out in 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 April. Um, actually, Colin Colin talks crypto. He uh, raised this problem multiple times. Uh, that mm-hmm. hey, here's the USDT, here's USDT, one of the biggest projects on EOS, but still with not that decentralized permission structure. And we eventually want to make these things happen. So pretty much make it as secure as possible, make it as trustworthy as possible. We talked about a lot of the other trusts, like with the insurance pool and things like that. But the one thing still missing is, is the block producer multi-sig, and that'll be a significant step forward. But after all that, after all of this um, new development we talked about, how do we get more people using DeFi. So right now we have $10 million locked up. MakerDAO has whatever it is, $100 million locked up. How, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you get more people into the ecosystem and more people trusting DeFi? And what's like the timeline? So um, we, we should distinguish uh, retail use cases from uh, the use cases for uh, more professional market players here. And I think in terms of uh, bigger market players, uh, and uh, more kind of professional market participants, we should need just uh, for more adoption, more institutionals, uh, institutional players coming into the space. And as soon as we see the bigger kind of banks or, um, you know, companies, um, uh, funds coming into crypto, we will see the rise of, uh, of DeFi and so the volume uh, locked in, into DeFi. Uh, I, I would say the, the conference I was attending uh, in Frankfurt was quite interesting, despite the quarantine I got from after that. Uh, so they, they were just banks, just uh, just professional and institutional guys. Uh, no, um, you know, average crypto crowd there. Uh, it was was super interesting because the guys were talking very serious stuff, like you know, institutional custodies for crypto. Um, uh, then. Um, uh, like insurance, uh, insurance things, tokenization platforms, treasury management solutions for institutional institutions. So th- this was extremely interesting, and uh, I got the feeling that everything like moving this uh, this way, the the way of more kind of institu- institutionalization of uh, of uh, overall crypto space. Um, I, I'm not sure even that this kind of sandbox of the current crypto assets will remain here. For, for sure, some of them will stay for long, for, mm-hmm. for a long time, because it's used to adopt it. It's like Bitcoin, Ethereum, hopefully EOS and some, some, some other things, but all the shit coins would definitely will, will be washed <laughs> off from the markets. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but, you know, the, 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 there, there is uh, another dimension of all this kind of crypto, uh, crypto movements. Uh, the, the 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 dimension of institutional market players, and probably there would be some other some alternative assets moving around. Uh, so let's see. It's 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 quite interesting how 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 things going there, and uh, where where everything going overall. So 
uh, I think it's 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 a kind of uh, uh, w- w- uh, so in terms of in terms of kind of retail users and retail adoption, for sure it's very much depends on um, on uh, the user experience uh, the users get uh, through these uh, DeFi applications uh, and uh, um, uh, DeFi projects, right? So um, uh, the the use the, the Frankly, the user experience in in different projects that are existing right now is quite quite you know controversial. I would say mm-hmm. so. It's it's quite difficult for retail users to understand how things working there. Uh, and uh, on another hand, uh, like the way how it's it's done on Ethereum, for example, with this um, uh, you know quite 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 um, um, how to say. So, so the, 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 the kind of, uh, the, the, kind of uh, the low speed of transactions uh, and um, uh, these uh, potential clocks on, on the network, the undetermined uh, price of gas. So that's actually quite, quite, quite disgusting user experience, <laughs> I, I mean. So that, that's why we actually, we, were, we, were, we started building things on news, by the way, because we, 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 we believe that... Uh, Immediate transactions like we have in EOS without um, uh, without um, actual actual cost like almost free that mm-hmm. that, that that actually represents better user experience than any, on any other blockchains. So in terms of in terms of user adoption and in terms of um, onboarding users uh, like retail users for sure, this type of ecosystem make way more sense than any others. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways I've actually been onboarding people, whenever I onboarded a couple of friends earlier in the year, it was right after I um, started using crypto.com. They let you, they, it's, it's CFI, it's definitely centralized, but they allow you to earn off of your stable coins. You could earn, I think, a 6% APR uh, without any real lockup. I think that's their, their flexible APR percentage just from holding stable coins. Are there any plans to have EOS DT integrated into someone else's lending platform where you could actually just hold stable coins, no volatility risk, but you're able to earn yield on that? Um, yeah, it's exactly one of the things I wanted to touch uh, on actually. So we are currently working on the system uh, which will be representing the saving pool for EOSDT. So basically the users will be able to stake their their EOSDT stable coins into smart contracts and get APR on that. So that, that will be the part of the system integrated into our interface. Yeah, quite similar to DAI savings rates, but with a little bit different model of interest rate. So the initial interest rate would be quite high. Uh, then it would be um, gradually decreasing until so, to, to some, some certain level but eventually it would be one one of the products on top of equilibrium uh, integrated into our interface I, I so in terms that. of <laughs> yeah i mean there will be quite exciting updated by the way so um in terms of other lending platforms um i mean on EOS currently there are not that many lending mm-hmm. platforms so far uh, I, I believe there is uh, there is Aquiel's thing that we, we are already listed there. However, not not that much liquidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the good news here that we also will have uh, will have PUSDT token on Ethereum launched soon, and we Ooh. expect uh, this token to be integrated in so, into some uh, lending Ethereum based lending platforms. Yeah, yeah that's why because crypto is just so volatile. Like. I don't want to introduce someone to crypto and then have, if I did that, this all happened back in like January. If I would have told them to buy Bitcoin, buy yes, buy anything, they would hate me right now. I, I wanted to take <laughs> baby steps. I was like, install this app, deposit some money that's just sitting in your checking account. And instead of it sitting in your checking account and not earning you any money, you could earn 6% on it. It's just all just digital dollars essentially. And that's, that's all it is. So they didn't have any of that right. volatility risk. They're earning APR. And I, I think that has, such major potential for, for like just normal people. They don't have to worry about big, like no crypto. It's just, you're holding dollars essentially. It doesn't even matter what dollars you're holding on crypto.com. Right. You can hold uh, true USD, USDC. There's a couple other ones, but I would love to see EOSDT added to all of these same platforms. It'd be great because then I could 
earn money. I could generate them from my EOS. So right. in, in the magical scenario here, I have EOS staked to equilibrium. I generate stable coins against that. My EOS that's still staked is in this last month, it earned over 6% APR. And then I have all of this other EOSDT that I just generated. I could have that in a lending platform that's earning who knows what, whatever percentage APR that is. And I'm just all about that passive income. And I think there's a lot of different ways to play this. I mean, with, with your system, you could lever it up if you want to take those EOSDTs and buy more EOS, stake the EOS into the contract, generate more EOSDT, and you can keep doing that, but you add risk. I don't want to necessarily add more risk in this marketplace, but, but I do like opportunity. And by generating those EOSDT, if I could put those to work for me, I, I would love to have that opportunity. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, uh, we, we are in talks with uh, several platforms like that. Uh, so expectedly, something will work out uh, soon in terms of uh, adding us to some lending platforms. Looking forward to that. So I, I think we should wrap up here. Uh, how could people uh, find Equilibrium? What's your, what's your, how they find you on Telegram, Twitter, uh, your website, esdt.com. I know that off the top of my head. Um, and anything else you want to want to mention before we hop off here? Uh, yeah, th thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can uh, definitely get your hands-on experience on usdt.com. Uh, uh, generate some USDT, culturalize some EOS, and uh, quite soon some other cryptocurrencies you have in your portfolios. Uh, so we're, we will be constantly improving our user experience. So expectedly you would enjoy that. And if you have any feedback, feel free to reach out to us share your feedback and we also we always always listen to what the community tells us in terms of uh, their experience and how we can improve our platform i would just like to plug um you guys do these amas i did one a couple months ago you're doing these amas regularly people could join your telegram group to find out about them probably follow you on twitter to know when they're coming up you guys are actually paying out a hundred dollars in eosdt for the best question for all of these amas so it's an easy way to make money um just have a good question for the guests. I know you had like, uh, I was on there. You had Max Dapp on, I think a couple of days ago. You had uh, Nate from Bancor. Uh, Eve was uh, on there Eve, a while Eve. ago. Right. So yeah. Luke Stokes, Luke Stokes, a lot of, a lot of guys. Yeah, uh, you, you can find us on Telegram. Our Telegram group is Equilibrium USDT official. Feel free to join and uh, ask your questions, uh, whatever you have uh, uh, there, we'll respond. Right. So we always end these shows with a go EOS. This is everything. Oh. And this <laughs> is everything EOS. Wait, I don't have the camera on me. Okay. <laughs> and this is everything EOS. Press it, go EOS. One, two, three. Go. go you gotta do it with me, man. We gotta okay, do it. One, two, three. Go EOS. Go, go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Smash the thumbs up. Subscribe. <laughs> See you next week.